Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, have you ever noticed... um, how excited some people get when they have met somebody who is, quote, famous. Anybody here ever met anybody who's, you know, would be considered famous? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few, quite a few. Who'd you meet? Gorbachev. Gorbachev? Oh, wow. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah, back there. Jennifer Lopez. Okay. She's, she's kind of famous. Kind of famous. Yeah. Anybody else way back there? Matthew West. Um, he sang the song, Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, what happens when somebody meets somebody, uh, famous is you usually want to ask them this question. What were they like? Really? Because there's this per- public persona, but then there's the real them. Janice and I were in the Los Angeles airport one time, and uh, we were just sitting waiting for our our flight to come. And then we noticed just just a little ways away, a mom and her daughter were were just like really excited because they were actually talking to uh, Jacqueline Smith. Anyone know who Jacqueline Smith is? She yeah, there, there's a picture of her here. She was one of the original Charlie's Angels. Now that dates me a little bit, alright, but, uh, yeah, that, there's, there's, she is, she's the one that's the dark hair one in the middle there. Uh, but, yeah, and this mom and this daughter, oh, after they, they were talking to her for a little while, and then they said their goodbye, they actually shook her hand, and, uh, they were just beaming afterwards, just, you know, Twitter, 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 back and forth, and I just thought, oh, how funny, you know, they they met somebody famous, and they are just beside themselves, and I asked Janice, should I go over and say hi, she says, no, don't do that, you know, it's too embarrassing, we don't want to do that, um, but, you know, it's interesting how we get to that point where we we think, you know, if I could just talk with somebody who knew a famous person. Like, wouldn't it be so cool to talk to somebody who knew Moses? And did you ask him about the, the water thing? You know, did he walk through and like, you know, and, and the water, you know, reach in and grab a fish, you know, whatever. But, you know, you start thinking about these things and you think, now, would it be amazing if I could actually talk to someone who knew Jesus personally. Now, we've got that opportunity to hear from somebody who actually not only knew Jesus, but hung out with him for three years. Sat with him, ate with him. I mean, they they, they did everything together. Matter of fact, this guy was an insider in the discipleship group. His name is John. You're probably familiar with the name. Uh, he was one of the disciples, and he was able to write one of the Gospels, but also wrote letters. Now, we're going to spend the next several weeks uh, together going through the book, or the letter, literally, of First John. Now, John 
is an interesting character because, like I said, he was the beloved. He was the one who understood who Jesus was, probably uh, was the one of the closest disciples to Jesus. And John now wants us to understand who Jesus really is. Now, I don't know what you would ask John if, if you had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with him. One of the first things that I would want to know, what did he look like? Because we don't really have any pictures, do we? I mean, they didn't have cameras back then. Uh, you know, they, that, that picture of them at the Last Supper is not real. Sorry to break it to you. But, uh, you know, they didn't have a guy, a camera guy on the side. Hey, guys, you know, smile. Uh, not happening. So we don't really know what he looks like. Now, a lot of people, this is, this is an, a, a, a depiction of Jesus uh, from the Shroud of Turin. If, if that was really the imprint of Jesus on that shroud that covered, covered Jesus in his death, this is what Jesus might have looked like. Now, you've seen all kinds of pictures of Jesus, but I actually found some descriptions of Jesus from people who saw him. Right? There, there's, there's a few of them. Uh, it's very interesting. Here's a letter from Pontius Pilate. You know who Pontius Pilate is? He's the one who condemned Jesus later on uh, to death. Um, he writes to Tiberius Caesar, uh, uh, and he says this, one day I observed in the midst of a group of people a young man who was leaning against a tree, calmly addressing a multitude. I was told it was Jesus. This I could easily have suspected, so great was the difference between him and those who were listening to him. His, get this, golden-colored hair and beard gave to his appearance a celestial aspect. He appeared to be about 30 years of age, Never have I seen a sweeter or more serene countenance. Interesting. So did Jesus have blonde hair? Possible, possible. Here's another physical description of Jesus. Comes from a copy of a letter from the Roman consul Lentulus to the Roman emperor Tiberius. It says, in his letter, uh, Lentulus describes Jesus of Nazareth as a tall man having a noble and lively face with fair and slightly wavy hair. So the blonde thing might be, yeah, maybe, you don't know. Okay. He had also had uh, strongly curving eyebrows, intense penetrating blue eyes, and an expression of wondrous grace. Said his nose is rather long. His beard is almost blonde, although not uh, not very long. His hair is quite long and has never seen a pair of scissors. His tanned face is the color of ripe corn and well-proportioned. It gives the impression of gravity and wisdom, sweetness and good. is completely lacking in any sign of anger. Now, those are interesting descriptions of Jesus. Now, are they accurate? I don't know. Uh, it could be. Now, in, in, in deference to the Bible giving descriptions of Jesus. We have a couple of clues in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 16, 12, now this is talking about uh, David. Now, David, Jesus was a direct descendant of David. Okay? So there's a possibility that genetically, 
he might have some of the same characteristics as David. This this might fit some of those before that we just we just looked at. Uh, it says this in in First Samuel sixteen twelve that uh, the David the future king was ruddy and handsome. Now the word ruddy uh, actually refers to people that kind of have reddish hair, uh, maybe some freckly skin, uh, lighter, uh, maybe some blue eyes go with that that red hair. Okay, but that's. That's what David looked like. He had pleasant eyes. He's a fine-looking young man, it said. And uh, in 1 Samuel 17, 42, it says, David was glowing with health and he was very handsome. Now, so some of the scholars would conclude that because Jesus is a descendant of David and uh, all that, that maybe he looked like David a little bit. That's a possibility. Some other early church leaders, uh, one in particular named Oregon, uh, he cites the portrayal of God in Psalm 40, 42, no, 45, verse 2, as a testimony of what Jesus looked like, that he was most handsome of all men. But then other scholars would cite Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3, as evidence that Jesus was unattractive. It says there's nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Now, some scholars say, well, that was a, a portrayal of Jesus on the cross. So maybe we wouldn't be attracted to him because of how beat up he was or he'd been whipped. All that to say, we really don't know what Jesus looked like physically. And it's interesting that here in the first uh, first John, we have a description of Jesus, but it's interesting that John never gives us anything physical. I've often wondered why that's so. Why don't we have a, a, a true picture of what Jesus looked like? Maybe because if we really knew what Jesus looked like, we would kind of lean into that a little bit and say, well, you know, maybe the people who have blonde hair you know, we need to give them a you know special nod because they're the ones who are you know kind of looking like Jesus. I like the long nose thing. You know, if uh, you've got a longer nose and people have been making fun of you, say, "Hey, just looking like Jesus," you know. But John doesn't seem to think that the physical aspects of Jesus are that important. That what the real important thing to know about Jesus is who he is. As a person, as the Son of God. And so, so, uh, we have this description in 1 John 1 1. The one who existed from the beginning, the one we've heard and seen, we saw him with our own eyes. We, and we touched him with our own hands. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, the word of life, a word is another word that is used in John's gospel, that Jesus is the word, right? But notice there, he says, we heard him. We literally heard him there. And then says that we saw him. Now, that word saw means to, to look over carefully. Or another way to translate that is we watched him for a long time. It gives this idea that there's some scrutiny in it. That we, we actually didn't just see him, didn't glimpse him in an airport, right? But we actually saw him and watched him very carefully. Now, this would fit with what a disciple is supposed to do. 
A disciple of, of a Jewish rabbi would hang out with him 24-7 because the rabbi wanted all of his disciples to become like him. The only way you become exactly like somebody is to know them inside and out and to be with them day after day after day to see how he acts and reacts with other people. And so they saw him. And then it's very interesting. It says that we actually touched him as well. Okay, so we heard, we saw, we touched, we we physically experienced life together with this person, Jesus. Important to know. And then in John 1, 1, again, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So all of these feelings that they had about the person of Jesus, having seen him, having heard him teaching, having been with him and physically touching. Now, that actually is a reference to John at the Last Supper where it was said that he leaned against Jesus physically. Okay? Some, some scholars said that, that he had his, his head on Jesus' chest and could hear Jesus' heartbeat. Isn't that amazing? I mean, wow, to be embraced, to be able to physically touch the Son of God. Now, he refers to Jesus as the Word. Now, we know that words are basically the way that we communicate, right? A word has a meaning. And that word helps to describe a feeling, an event, an activity. And when you use certain words, it evokes certain feelings, certain understanding, right? So when you understand someone, you hear that word and you go, ah, I get it, right? And if you don't get it, well, you use other words to try to describe it, to describe it more fully. What's really interesting about this, this term word as associated with the person of Jesus is that the word Jesus is the description that God wants to give us of who he is. And so when you, when you hear, when you see, when you touch Jesus, you, you get a full understanding from that word of who God is. And not only who he is, but what he desires, what he likes, what is really important to him. And so when the disciples hung out with Jesus, they spent time with him, they listened to him, they heard him, they watched him interact with other people, they got a picture in their hearts and their minds of who God really is. Jesus is God in human form. And so the, 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 the stories in Scripture about Jesus, as you read through the gospel narratives, you see more and more and more who God is and how he wants to touch us, how he wants to interact with us, how he wants us to know that we are loved and we are important to him, how he wants us to be healed, not only physically but emotionally to reconnect with him. See, Jesus is that part of God who comes down onto the planet. And it's really interesting, the the parallelism that happens here, that Jesus comes down just like God in Genesis after creating Adam and Eve 
What did he do? He would come down and he would walk with Adam and Eve. And I'm sure that he not only talked with them, but he probably put his arm around them. He might have even given them a hug, right? I mean, they, Adam and Eve, really were able to experience God in all his fullness because he literally came down and spent time with them. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He's the word. He's the descriptive word that helps us understand more fully how God intended it to be originally. He wanted to create us. We talked about that last week, that God had in his mind to create you before the beginning of the world. Why? Because he wanted to interact with you. He wanted, want, and he still wants to be with us. To be with us. See, that's really important. So, it goes on in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. That the life appeared, the life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and now has appeared to us. And he goes on. We proclaim to you what we've seen and what we've heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Christ. Now, what John is trying to impress upon us is that God desperately wants us to feel his presence, to know that he wants to interact with us, all right? And there are many, many other verses that John uses to, to kind of to, to drive this point home. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him, talking about Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. Again, a reminder that that. Our life comes from God. God is the one who created us in the first place and gave us life and breath. Gospel of John chapter 5, 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those he is pleased to give it. John six thirty five. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. There's a reason that, that we use bread for communion. Uh, it, it's that idea there again. Bread was what? It was the thing that keeps life going. You keep eating so you can stay alive. And so we need to eat bread. I really, really like bread. My wife will tell you that. Okay. Maybe too much sometimes, but uh, I like bread in the form of donuts too. You know, donuts can be bread. Now, I'm not sure if you, we should, you know, use donuts for communion, but hey, you know, if, if it works for us, we'll do it. All right. So he goes on. John 10, 28. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. There's this picture again that John is trying to paint that our life comes from God to be with God and no one is going to interrupt that. Jesus is here to help us understand that God wants to relate to you and he is not willing that anything would get in the way of that relationship. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And the question he leaves her with, do you believe this? You see, this is what we're trying to get at through church. 
We want people to understand that they are loved and created by God for relationship with him. And not just with him, but with us. See, when John says, I I want you to to understand that when you get who Jesus is, you and I can have a greater fellowship, a greater sense of camaraderie, a, a really a sense of family. Right? I mean, that's the greatest thing about church. Church that works is church that is alive because God gives us life, but we together get to celebrate that life together. That's when we feel most alive, is when we're interacting with God and each other. You see, it's not just a me and God thing. It can be. I mean, sometimes you're alone and you want to feel that presence of God. But there are other times when you just realize that that, that God is in all of us. And that relationship with one another enhances our understanding to how we, how we connect with God. You see, because we are created in the likeness and the image of God to reflect God to the rest of the world. And so as we interact with each other, the way God intended us to react with each other, interact with each other, then we get a greater sense of who God is and who he created us to be. It's it's a great, great feeling. And so this is why why John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, it's very interesting. He says, we write this. This is the point of why I am writing this to you today, John says, is this. He says, to make our joy complete. Now, some manuscripts insert the word your joy complete, but it's both and. Most scholars would, would favor the our, not just your. It's not an individual thing. Yes, God's relationship with you makes you happy, makes you filled with joy, makes your joy complete. But how does that change when it's now our joy complete? Well, you know, it's very interesting that uh, um, when you experience something great, don't you like to celebrate it with somebody else? I mean, something great happens and you can't wait to tell someone else what happened, right? Now, I think it is awesome and it's not by accident that Jesus knew how to party. I mean, do you realize that? I mean... He he was labeled as a drunkard and, you know, a carouser. You know, you hang out with all these ne'er-do-wells and you're always partying it up. It's like, I kind of like this Jesus guy, you know. He, what His first miracle was where? At a wedding party, you know. I mean, I, I've been to a few weddings. They're kind of a downer. I got to be honest. You know, one of, one of the downsides of being a pastor is to do weddings. Okay. Funerals are much better. You know, you, you don't get any guff from the, from the person that you're burying. Okay. And it just, but, uh, you know, you do, you do a wedding and oh my goodness, there are 17 people that want to be in charge, you know, and you wonder, is that her wedding or is that her mom's wedding? I'm not quite sure, you know, and, and you know, tension can really grow at a wedding. Have you been to a wedding? There was a little tension there. That's not how weddings are supposed to be. Weddings really should have a a celebratory kind of aspect to it. And and so Jesus is at this wedding party. 
And things are, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of tapering off. What does he do? He, he goes and he makes some more wine so we can continue to celebrate this together. I don't know when the last time that you really had a good celebration, right? Maybe it was at a wedding. But it's interesting that Jesus, he celebrated. He celebrated. And what's interesting is you go all the way to the end of the Bible. And what do you see there in Revelation? When it's all said and done, and we're all gathered together, what happens? We're at the celebration of the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? What does that mean? It means that that the bride of Christ, which is us, the church, and Jesus are finally brought together permanently, and we are going to celebrate. And we're going to celebrate with food and maybe even a little dancing going on there, you know? I saw, I saw anybody see the little girl here uh, at the first of the, uh, the service? In the, in the dark, I could see it even better, you know? She had little lights on her shoes. I think that should be a requirement for everybody that goes to church. You know? You're trying out those things. Man, you see, you dance in there. Excuse me. Uh, you know, I don't dance very well, but you know. Yeah, you know, to celebrate, it, people do it all the time in sports. Your team wins the, the championship finally after 75 years. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna do a little jig, right? I mean, and not just by yourself. You're gonna wanna call somebody. You're gonna wanna have to throw a celebration. You're gonna have a party. John knew this about Jesus. He wants us to be able to really understand that together we celebrate who God is, what he has done, how much he loves us. And it's in that that relationship of, of community that we remind each other of that, right? So this is why John is actually writing this letter. He understands that people long to be loved. You and I were created and wired for relationship. Relationship with God and a relationship with one another. Now there's a story of a famous British writer who was leaving Liverpool by, by ship. And uh, he noticed that all the other passengers, uh, he was on the ship and he was looking out on the dock, were waving at people. And he had nobody to wave to. So he got off the ship. He recorded this. He got off the ship, went down onto the dock, found a 10-year-old boy and said, if I give you a, you know, a couple of dollars, but he used pounds because it was in England, but you know, give you a, a couple, couple of coins, will you wave at me? And of course, the little boy says, sure, why not? You know, I'll wave at you for some money. So he gave, gave the little boy money and then he goes back up on the ship and they, he starts waving and the little boy, wave back, you know. It's like he, he wanted someone to wave to. So much he was willing to pay him to do it. You know, we, we spend a lot of money on trying to be happy. People will pull out their wallet and they'll pay for a good meal. They'll go to a show. They'll, they'll, they'll pay hundreds of dollars to go watch a ball game that maybe the team wins. <laughs> okay? We, we think, oh, oh, how, how can I start feeling good? Well, it's free. 
It's free. And I think the wonderful thing, the joy of being a part of a church like Bethany is that you, you get to come and hang out with people who know Jesus. And they can tell you their story, how they related to Jesus, and how Jesus brought them to faith. And we can talk about the things that Jesus is doing in our lives right now. And as we do that, we celebrate with each other. That's part of what we do as a church. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about who Jesus is. And we'll get a a deeper and deeper understanding from John, who hung out with Jesus, of who Jesus is and how much more we have to celebrate as a church. All right? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you love us. Uh, Thank you for John uh, that knew you personally, was one of your disciples, hung out with you. And thank you that he wants us to know in a deeper and deeper way who you are. And uh, and help us to celebrate that, God. Help us to celebrate how you're working in our lives today. Thank you for the church family, God, as we can encourage each other. Thank you for the opportunity to worship through song and, and all the different ways we do. Uh, God, we want to bless you. Thank you. Love you. Amen. For listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.